Hello, everyone, and welcome to Bunch of Beauties presented by Pucker Up Sports. Uh, I'm Sam Prevo. I am a senior editor at Pucker Up Sports. Uh, ladies, if you want to introduce yourselves. I can uh, uh, Yeah, you did. <laughs> Already. Already. Um, well, I'm Jennifer Molia. I am a senior in high school, and I write for Pucker Up Sports, among many other things that I do. But that's what put me here. <laughs> um, my name is Ariel Melendez. Uh, I write for the Philly part of the Pucker Up site. Um, I mean, that's among like Jen said, I do a bunch of other things outside, but uh, for here, uh, Pucker Up Philly site. Yeah. Perfect. And uh, for those of you who don't know, Pucker Up Sports is an entirely female run um, hockey online publication. We uh, cover pretty much all NHL news, but we do focus a bit on a handful of teams, the Capitals, the Lightning, the Flyers, the Leafs, am I missing one? And the Bruins. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're excited to, sh to share this podcast with you guys. This has been an idea that's been in the works for a fair amount of time. <laughs> Um, but we're finally making it a reality and, and we're going to just, uh, dive into it with something that I am very angrily passionate about. Oh yeah. And, uh, yeah, Jen and, this. Jen and Ariel have heard me prepare for this rant for like weeks now, but, I'm ready. um, so the Buffalo Sabres, everybody, the Buffalo Sabres. Full stop. Full stop. Full stop. <laughs> I think that's where, I think, I think we all know where this rant is going as soon as I say the Buffalo Sabres, but let's talk about how on Wednesday, St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. The Sabres finally fired their head head coach, Ralph Kruger, right? Right. Ralph Kruger, gone. Yeah. This should have happened a minimum of two weeks ago. Minimum of two weeks ago. Minimum of two weeks ago. If not, like, after he scratched Jeff Skinner three times. And disc disc full disclosure, Jeff Skinner is my favorite player, so I may be a little biased, but also he's getting paid nine million dollars and he was scratched three times in a row and no one seemed to bat an eyelash simply does not and the up. way yeah the way he's been deployed this season for a guy you're paying that much who had a pretty good season last year and you're deploying him what third fourth line and scratching him doesn't yep. really seem like you paid him that money and then you're kind of like well it's your own fault exactly and he's getting like blamed for it like he there were veiled comments about like oh well when all you do is score goals and you're not scoring goals. I'm like, and whose fault is that? I also would argue that all, like, all you do is score goals. Like, I don't feel like that's a valid argument for Jeff Skinner. Like, I know he, right? like, is a goal scorer. Like, I feel like that's the title. But it's not like he scores goals and then he sits on the ice and scoots around on his butt. Like, I, mm, it makes me a little mad. I'm not, I'm yeah. not a big... I'm not a big fan of the Sabres. They make me a little sad. I think they make everybody sad right <laughs> yeah, now. I think everybody's pretty sad. <laughs> I mean, let's go through the I, – I saved a whole bunch of numbers because I think these are all very important. So at the time that they fired Ralph Cougar, right? Right. Mm -hmm. They were on a 12-game losing streak. 12. They, lo they, lost again, they lost again last night, so that's 13, right? Okay. <laughs> Uh, a game that shouldn't have happened, but we'll get to that. Uh, they were on a 12-game losing streak. They lost to New Jersey. Um, who are also on a downward spiral. Yep. They've been shut out as many times as they've won this year. Bye. I think that's Bye, the good key right there. Bye. That's the problem. I mean, the, when he was fired, Ralph Kruger was 7-24-4 in his last 35 games. They continued yeah. to employ him 
for that long. God. Okay, I just, I don't care how much the players love him. I don't care how much the players love him. And Taylor Hall was still gushing about him after they fired him. And I'm like, it, no. No. You're free. You're free. It's okay. (laughs) Yeah, you you can stop now. It's okay. Okay, this is all horrible. So they've lost 13 straight now, right? Right. Mm-hmm. They're 6, 19, and 4. Yep. They've won in regulation four times in their four. last 29. In their last yeah. 29 games, okay? I don't know how many. I think combined, Jeff Skinner and Jack, I, uh, not Jack Eichel, Taylor Hall. Jeff Skinner and Taylor Hall combined, I think, have less goals this season than Matt Martin. God. Oh. That's so sad. That's a sad. It's all just so miserable to watch. Like, I got into this. I watched the Sabres more because I was watching Jeff Skinner play. And, like, that first season that he was there, it was pretty exciting to watch when Phil Housley was coaching, coaching yeah. them. Mm-hmm. They they were flying. And then the, the last two years happened. Yeah. So I just want to, like, get into, first of all, the fact that Jack Eichel was playing with a fractured rib. So we don't, we don't, we, we don't know how much is on him because we don't know how, like – Obviously, he wasn't playing to 100%. Yeah. But what is happening with the rest of the team? Yeah. That's a good question. <laughs> like, I know that, like, the coach was bad, obviously, but they all seem to like him. So what's the disconnect there? For sure. I think, it- that, I think that, like, a lot of teams are probably suffering from, like, and not just the Sabres, like, suffering from pandemic fatigue as much as we are, considering mm-hmm. that we're coming up mm-hmm. on, like, a year. I can't imagine like being an athlete during this and then just being like okay like you have to keep playing games and especially like you said that game shouldn't have happened the other night so yeah. like and that that doesn't excuse the other 13 um but <laughs> the other 12 but i think that something and like this is like a whole deeper separate conversation but i think pandemic fatigue is very real especially when you're being asked and expected to do a job that maybe you don't think is the safest right now or you're not the most confident in like, I think that's definitely messing with a bunch of teams. Obviously not all of them, because there are teams that are doing great right now. But I think that's got to play a factor. Like, yeah. I, I'm in high mm-hmm. school, and I feel like I'm living the same day over and over again. Like, how do you think it feels yeah. for these guys? Like, I, I saw a tweet the other day that said, like, if you don't eat meat, like, you're basically screwed for food in the bubble. Because, like, you can't get anything delivered. You can only eat, like, what's in, like, your hotel or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not fun. No. <laughs> straight up yeah <laughs> i agree and i think i mean especially with the like go cycling back to the sabers like they yeah. they were they fell victim in the beginning of the season when the devils had their outbreak they caught it from that right so they yeah. had an outbreak also and rasmus ristolainen like he, i'm not the biggest fan of him but he got really sick mm-hmm. yeah. so you can't tell me that like that's gonna not affect him going down the going down the line into the rest of the season of course and it it already like, has because you could see when he came back he still was a 100 percent, and they were mm-hmm. even like yeah he's not 100 percent. like the man couldn't get out of bed like oh he'll get better um i don't think that's how this i mean we don't truly truly know the long-term effects of you know people who have survived this but it was pretty clear that he was not 100% and should not have been on that ice. And it's not just a, oh, he'll get better. Like, he didn't break anything. He, you know, it's nothing like that. It's, no, yeah. this man had a really serious, like, illness that messed with his heart and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not just, you know, he'll skate it off, you know, in the next period. No, yeah. he, he's not going to be just skating this off. No, exactly. And, like, I think all of that, like, the fatigue of just the the pandemic, but also the fatigue of – you're an, you're a laughing stock right now. Fully. Like fully. Like oh, absolutely. Like 
it's just so embarrassing. Like, I don't know how, like I was having this conversation uh, at home the other night and like, we were like, how do they like want, how do they just want to go out there every night now? (laughs) Like, it's just like this season, like basically they can just throw it away already. And we're only a little more than halfway done. So it's just so horrible to watch. And like the Pagulas as as ownership group, obviously we're pulling some of the strings and the fact that like Ralph Kruger stayed on as long as he did. Mm -hmm. And I think it's kind of unfair to like, because I saw some people blaming Kevin Adams as well, their general manager. Mm -hmm. And in a vacuum, the him coming on, they had a pretty decent draft, like, the Pagulas cut like most of their front office. They don't really have a scouting yeah. staff. And yet Kevin Adams did a pretty decent job drafting this summer or fall, whenever the, the October. Yeah. Um, I mean, whenever the general was. And he went out and got Taylor Hall and he went out and traded for Eric Saul. In a vacuum, all those things make sense. Right. Yeah. It just then it all went on the ice and and fell apart. Fell apart, exactly. <laughs> So I just I think it's more like you have to look at the Pagulas. Like I, I found something interesting. Uh, Elliot Friedman was saying on Thirty One Thoughts that there's some kind of so the Pagulas, for those who don't know, own pretty much everything in Buffalo. Right. They own the all the sports teams. They own the Bills, the Sabers, and the Lacrosse team, I believe, as well, the Bandits. And they own like the arena and the pr- practice facility and all this other stuff. They have so much money, um, and. With the Bills, apparently there's – this is from Elliot Friedman. He said, quote, there's something there in the way they run their teams that throws everything off track. The Bills seem to have an agreement where there's a limit on the influence the Pagulas can have and the Sabres don't have that. That makes sense. Oh, it's completely obvious. That makes sense. <laughs> like, but then how do you own a – like, if that has to be a stipulation in you owning a sports team, maybe you then should why own, are a, sports how do you own, a, sports own a sports team in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's just something like really fishy going on there. Like they're still cutting the front office. Like this morning, they this guy Charlie Mendola, uh, apparently he was promoted to director of hockey strategy in November, but they fired him today. Oh, so that was quick. Yeah. <laughs> what, what a Sabres beat reporter, uh, Lance Lasowski. He's really good. If you f- want to follow him on Twitter, just watch the world burn with the Sabres. Yep. he's someone. To, he's someone to follow. <laughs> But someone asked him what was his actual job, and he said, I don't know. Ooh. And that's so you, not very surprising when you look at the Sabres. No, but you, like, cut most of your front office now. You don't have – you're not internationally scouting. You're not scouting in the juniors. You don't really have a prospects pipeline either. <laughs> yeah. And there's rumors that you're going to trade everybody away save Jeff Skinner. Because there's rumors about Jack Eichel. There's rumors about Taylor Hall. There's rumors about Eric Stahl. There's been Rasmus Ristolainen and rumor, rumors from Here to Kingdom Come for the last, like, three years. Yeah. yeah. What's I, the direction? I feel like Eichel there and Hall... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like Eichel and Hall have sort of become, like, perpetual trade target. Well, Hall more than Eichel. Just because I feel like no matter where he went, like, whether he was on the Devils, whether he was in Edmonton, whatever, like, I, I just feel like it's always like, where's Taylor Hall going to go? where's he gonna go where's he gonna end up and like now that he's on the sabers and like he's not doing too hot like my guy's not he's not doing too hot no. so <laughs> he's not doing no too- like I, I was thinking of a smarter way to put that and then i was like no just straight honestly up. it's straight just straight up you can just say he's not doing too hot because he's not and, and I- like <laughs> eichel the the amount because like as a rangers fan like all the ranger fans want eichel and I'm kind of like, mm, do we? Do I kind of really want him to go to LA just to watch the pain. 
<laughs> watch the pain. Just watch Ranger's Twitter like Explode. implode Fully. of like, how did we not get Jack Eichel? Like, yeah, he, he's not the only center out there, but yeah. like, he is the center out there right now yeah. because some yeah. of the other ones aren't in trade talk. And like some some of the proposals I'm seeing for Rangers fans on Twitter, like, I just feel like you have to take all of them with like not a grain of salt, just like a bowl of salt, just like a nice little yeah. mug of salt because <laughs> like. Just some of the proposals, like, not not to be in my little Rangers fan lens, but, like, Zibanejad and Eichel in the same conversation, like, I'm uncomfortable. Like, I, I need to leave. The, <laughs> dude, I don't understand. I don't understand those proposals because I thought the goal was to have Mika as your if, – if he's not your 1C, if he's not your 1C because he's too old or whatever, or you just don't see him as your 1C, bring in Jack Eichel, then you have him as the 2C and Filipito as your 3C – that's insane center depth. So you would think. Mm-hmm. You would think. But all these Rangers fans are just like, Eichel, 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 Eichel. Yeah, I feel like there's always one every year where it's just like everybody wants him and the Rangers fan base. Yeah. And then we either get him and it flops or we don't and people are bitter about it. Case in point, Eric Stahl in like, what was that, like 2017, 2016? Oh, God. We get now him there's... and it flops. Oh, I can't. <laughs> and Ariel's just sitting here like, Flyers have Sean Couturier. Yeah, our pretty Selkie much. Winner. Selkie Life trophy is winner. Great. <laughs> we've, got good, we've got good center depth. I'm feeling it. Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of the Sabres and trades, today, yeah. their goaltender, they signed a goaltender, right? This guy, Michael Hauser. Never heard of him. Yes. Don't know who he is. Signed him for league minimum. Sure, whatever. Sure. At this point, the, the Sabres could literally do whatever they want, and I'd just be like, all right, sure, this, this tracks. Sure. Yeah. So... But then Jonas Johansson. So their two goalies to start the season were Carter Hutton and Linus Allmark. Right. Linus Allmark is pretty decent. He got hurt, though. So he's not in the picture. Carter Hutton's a mad lad. Last night, he skated out to, like, center ice to, like, stick check a puck away. It was terrifying. Anyway, so Jonas Johansson was the backup. He didn't show up for practice. And now they signed this Michael Hauser guy. So everyone's like, trade. Trade. (laughs) Trade. He's gone. Trade. Uh, so then there were rumors that it was actually happening. He was going to get traded. And then their interim head coach said, no, 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 he, he just, nah, he just he isn't did. in practice today. I just don't know what's happening over there. I just don't know what's happening over there. Yeah. I don't think there's a good answer for that. No, I don't think they know. I don't think they know what's happening. Yeah. I, don't, I, truly, I, just, I don't think Buffalo knows what's going on in Buffalo. The fact that Taylor Hall and Jeff Skinner are both still in press conferences are like, I love being a Buffalo Sabre. Like, mm. No hesitation, straight face. Yeah. Blink I twice mean, at this point, help. exactly. I think I think at this point, it's a you kind of have to just to get out of there. You kind of have to be like, yeah, we love it in Buffalo. Blink, blink, blink. You know, yeah. save unless me. Cough, cough. <laughs> unless you're Taylor Hall and you want your bag, and you know that the Sabers have enough money to give you a bag. Yeah, yeah. That Get seems like a thing. Um. Mm-hmm. So. I, let's go to other teams and trades because I think there'll be more more important imperative things to talk about there instead of dwelling on the Sabres. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Toronto's GM, Kyle Dubas. Him. Him. <laughs> said that the Leafs want to make a trade as soon as possible <laughs> because of the quarantine going into yeah, Canada. Yeah, with, with anybody yeah. having to come from the US to Canada. Right. Exactly. So... They want a forward, it seems, but they that's their target priority, but they're looking everywhere. Mm-hmm. And there's that bidding war for uh, Ekholm out of right. Nashville. Mm-hmm. 
And is there, I see, I personally think if we're going to tie this back to the Rangers trade conversation, I think that the Leafs should consider trading for Pavel Buchnevich. I can see it. Personally, I just think because if the Le- if the Rangers are going to trade him, because I think at this point, if they lose again tonight, they should just think about selling selling off. Mm-hmm. So they want Booch is going to want a lot of money. They have to pay Mika Zibanejad. They're looking for a center. So if they're really going to think about getting rid of Pavel Buchnevich, but they want prospects, look at the Leafs prospect pool. Kyle Dubas knows how to knows how to draft and Stop. sign and sign free agent young players. So well, I think that makes sense. You trade for Pavel Buchnevich. You try to make something work with him because the Leafs allegedly are going to trade Kerfoot, maybe. Oh. Okay. So then you so okay. there's some kind of maybe like cap, whatever there. Yeah. You need a you need a you know someone who will score more goals or do whatever they're looking for. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's an option. I, I definitely think that we're we're at the point, and I feel like I've also been saying this for years, but with Buchnevich on the Rangers, I think that it's been a will they, won't they for years at this point, because you know, he has I think more more often than not, he looks great. You know, whether he's scoring or not, he looks great. And there's always been those arguments of he's so young, he doesn't know what he's doing, the coach doesn't like him. Like there there's just always been some sort of controversy, even if there wasn't controversy. Like there's just always been something and I definitely think like from a pitching a trade kind of perspective or a storyline kind of perspective like oh like he just needs a fresh start in a different market like New York Mm -hmm. is too much which New York to Toronto like pot meat kettle arguably (laughs) arguably worse (laughs) from Um, a media standpoint but I I definitely could see that kind of argument being made if he just needs to try something else out and like you said he obviously is going to want money like he's young but he's not like that young anymore and he's also not stupid how old is he that's a great question Sam I'm gonna look it up (laughs) uh he is 25 yeah so see in my brain he's still like 20 um but because I have no concept of time but I definitely could see that kind of being the story coming out of this like oh like he needs to go somewhere new he needs to figure things out I yeah I think the Rangers need to like decide like I think that'll be one of the things they decide on during this deadline like he's one of those pieces where they're like all right are we like investing in him or is this like someone we can afford to get rid of because of the the winger depth coming up through the pipeline because really the rangers are deep on the wing and on defense prospects wise but center is abysmal which has been for like years like i feel like forever and ever amen so (laughs) i feel like we've been having this conversation like about derek stepan like years ago like Who I miss and his Crocs. I miss I miss I miss him. I miss my croc dad, Derek Stepan, very much. Yeah, that's a quote. <laughs> um, so let's let's go to let's go down to Philly and yeah. and cycle Ariel back into the conversation. So <laughs> uh on this in the athletic, they put out an article, they put out a few trade article deadline articles. I mean, I like I think this deadline is a little wacky for a lot of reasons, mm-hmm. but for Philly uh, it suggested that the thing they're going to trade is a first or a second round pick mm-hmm. in in order to to bolster their, their roster now. Because I think they think they're, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, Ariel, but I think 
the Flyers organization thinks they're in more of a win-now mode than a rebuild mode? You know, this would be a different conversation if you asked me after Wednesday night. Uh, <laughs> because a lot of people, and, and this kind of sums up, I think, Flyers, you know, not just Twitter, just Flyers people, fans in general, is after Wednesday night, it was, oh, the team's done. Yep. Not, not not blow it up, but, like, they're, they're not going to make it. They shouldn't try to go out and get somebody because – too many defensive breakdowns, too many of this, too many of that. Their goaltending's not good. Their anything's not good. And then they come up against the Islanders and look like not world beaters, but look like a confident hockey team. You know, aside from the last a stretch of I think about thirty four seconds in the third period, they were shutting out the Islanders, uh, a team that had dominated them in the playoffs, a team that made them look like not you know not as far low to bring it real quick like the Buffalo Sabers, but made them look like they didn't really know how to play hockey that well. Yeah. So I think right. I, I think this is a conversation that could have gone in two different ways. If you had asked me a couple of days ago, I don't I think they still look at themselves as a win now kind of team. Mm-hmm. And, and I think they're missing they're obviously missing Matt Neskinen big time. Right. Especially Ivan Provrov. He really kind of helped stabilize his game as the number one defenseman, kind of allowed him to have a little bit more freedom in a sense of knowing he's got a guy like Niskanen back there. And then Niskanen suddenly decides to retire, which, you know, respect on him for wanting to, you know, obviously the bubble kind of got to him as it got to a lot of players. He wanted to be with his family and everything. So I I don't fault him for that. You know, do what you got to do, do what you got to do to be with your family. And then the Flyers were just kind of like, all right, um, Provorov, Myers, Sandheim, it's all on you. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to carry this defense. Um, I think that's really what they wanted was for a guy like Myers or a guy like Sanheim to step up to that number one role. Yeah. And if you had asked me again Wednesday night, uh, no, that wasn't it. They were on the ice for the first uh, five or five goals at least, and then finished a minus six, which I know plus minus is not you know a stat you focus on, but when you're halfway through the game and you're a minus five. Yeah, I'm gonna take a look at that a little bit. <laughs> but yeah, you know they signed they signed Eric Gustafson, which to me is straight up discount Shane Goss's fair. Um, it is kind of that offensive defenseman. I, um, trust me, I've seen pictures of him and they look he literally looks like a discount Goss's fair. Goss's fair is another is another conversation too. But they they signed him and already coming in the knock on him, his defense. Yeah. So yeah, let's sign a defenseman whose knock is his defense when you've lost a big part of that unit and they never really addressed the hole that was left. So I think that's a big thing that they're missing is that guy to stabilize, which is why Ekholm is a name that a lot of Flyers fans want want to bring in. But the cost of it might be right. a little bit too much. Yeah. Um, so I've seen names, and, and I've actually seen some people say they want Ristolainen. He He's a yeah. name that kind of was tossed out. So I, I think they are in that, at least they think they are, in that win-now yeah. mode. But I don't think they are or should be necessarily in a win-now mode because unless they really think a guy like Ekholm is going to just snap, fix your defense, you're you're going to get bounced out like you did like you did last season. Yeah. And I, I think it's funny that you bring up Ristolainen because I was the, the, the Sabres are at looking, I mean, from what I've read, they're really looking to dump, like they might dump Brandon Montour also. 
he's a name I've also seen a couple. Yeah, so he's and like uh, I think uh, a defenseman out of Columbus, uh, David Savard. Is he a defenseman? He's another he, name I've heard. Yeah, yeah, he. They're all names. So I think I think I agree with you that I think that you know the if they're really gonna like spend and they're gonna if they really are gonna spend that first or second round pick, then you need to go get someone who will fill that void left by someone like Matt, Matt Nisman. And, and I think I think if you're like you say if you're really gonna spend you might have to go for Echol. I know there's going to be a big bidding war for him and maybe depending on what they're looking for. Um, but I think it also depends on what they think of the defensive prospects they have now, what they think a guy like Zamula is going to do, what they think a guy like Cam York is going to do, who, unless the, I, I think the team is going to get a bid into the NCAA. So I don't think his season's done just yet, but I think regardless, they are going to make a big push to sign York in the coming weeks. Cause it always seemed like it was going to be his sophomore year was going to be it. And then he was going right. to turn pro and, and do that. And I think there, there's really nothing else for him to learn at, at right. the collegiate yeah. level. I mean, and you saw him at uh, world juniors and I, I think it all depends on how they see their prospect pool at defense developing too, because looking at a guy like Huckholm or a big trade they might make, you might have to part with one of those guys. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's exactly. how they see that future developing. And if they think, I think what Elkham's got one more year on his contract, I believe. Um, so you also kind of have to take, it's not quite a rental, but you have to look at the expansion draft then. Yeah. Is, right. He's a guy, uh, he's a guy you're going to want to protect because you, you're, unless, you know, you do it, you win it all, and you're like, all right, thanks, you did what we needed you to do. But, you know, you look at it in that aspect, the expansive draft is really going to change, I think, not just the Flyers, you know, approach, but a lot of teams approach because, mm-hmm. you know, of the landscape we're in right now, you know, with the salary cap, how it might be flat for a couple of years. And you're really looking at money. And I think that's going to play a lot of part in a lot of teams trade deadline moves, too. I, I completely agree with that about the yeah. expansion draft. And like, I'm thinking about the Leafs again, like. I really think it's time that they talk about goaltending, right? Like, Freddie uh, Yeah, is... I've heard a lot of Leafs fans about goaltending. I mean, I love Freddie, and I think he has his moments, but there are some other times where you're watching him and you're like, what What are you doing out there? Like, I think, I swear, I saw a goal one time. He wasn't even paying attention. Like... Fully just looking the, the other direction. The puck went stroll. in and he, like, didn't even know what happened. Like, that's a problem. Yeah. And I think the Leafs defense, like, with it getting better when they brought in TJ Brody and, 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 you know, other guys are stepping up, like Morgan Riley is not having a down year like he was last year. Like that's exposing, like truly, like we thought maybe that that was the why Freddie wasn't maybe as, as consistent, but really I think we, they have to start looking at like, is it on, is it Freddie? Yeah. <laughs> and like, are you going to like trade for a goalie? Like what, what's the, what's the move there? Are you waiting for, are you going to say, well, maybe we'll give Jack Campbell the reins and wait for a prospect or are they going to like, cause Freddie's contract is coming up and, and you have to say like, do we want to give him a huge extension when he's iffy? Yeah. Cause that's probably what he's going to want. Exactly. And then, and you also have the expansion draft, right? Like you have to protect a certain amount of goalies or who are you protecting? Who are yeah. you letting go? So I think those kinds of things, those kinds of conversations are really interesting. I think teams like Carolina are going to have a weird time in the expansion draft because they're so deep at so many positions. Mm-hmm. Um, 
teams like I mean and then you have teams like the Rangers who have so many young players they don't have to worry because they're like well you're all on your entry-level contract yeah, we so, don't have to worry about we have to protect you. you yeah um one thing that I still genuinely strongly believe in though is that Matt Barzell is going to Seattle I can see it he played, yeah. he played junior hockey he played junior hockey there I was about to it's, say it's really close to Vancouver he's from Vancouver mm-hmm. um that's why he ended up in Seattle in the first place uh with the WHL so I I don't know. I think there's something there. I mean, it took him a really long time to sign Does that new contract with the anything Islanders. Anything in his contract that says um, they have to so. protect him. But also, if you're looking at it from the Islanders, it took you that long to sign him. Would you leave him unprotected? Is it a is it a situation like I mean, we all know John Tavares left. It was a huge thing, and yeah. one of the one of the things he wasn't going to wait on was that new arena. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're they're still playing at Nassau, which is the smallest. I mean, they love the atmosphere there. I remember fans complaining when they got swept by Carolina that, oh, it's because we played games one and two at Barclays Center. If we like, played games one and two at okay. Nassau Coliseum, it would have been fine. I don't know about that. Yeah, you but guys I mean, are you guys aren't on the ice. I don't I don't think it plays as much of a <laughs> I will agree that the, I I do agree the atmosphere is better, but I don't know if that's all that matters. But I do think also being on that team and knowing that you're waiting on this huge arena and you still have to play and you're living on long island and practicing on long island but you still kind of have to play in brooklyn sometimes and and then you're also kind of playing on long island sometimes and now the new arenas in queens like that's a whole to do yeah for sure and you just want to play hockey right so let's Mm -hmm. see his contract right now he's locked in till 2023 and not as long as i thought it was for some reason yeah it's a bridge it's a bridge deal oh that's right that's right yeah it was a bridge it's a bridge deal um, and it's at seven million. So I mean, you could easily work out. I mean, they did it with Vegas. You work out a thing where you trade, you trade the, the player to the to so Seattle for whatever thing in return. And there's like yeah. that unspoken like, yeah, well, we, we saw we saw how well you that's worked take out. This guy. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see what happens. But I just I don't know. I'm just not super confident that like there's gonna there's always that one star that goes to the expansion team, right? Mm-hmm. And that just seems like it's the fit. I was going to say think, that. I was going to say it's going to be like a flurry type situation where like yeah. everybody knows mm-hmm. it's going to happen. He's already in houses in Seattle. Right. He's, already, he's like, like, everybody knows it's happening. Exactly. And I, I just, I think you hit the nail on the head with, you know, everything about the arena and where you're located with the Islanders. Like, and that's been a thing since like, like, I want to say they had just moved to Barclays when I was maybe in seventh or eighth grade, and I'm about to graduate high school. Mm-hmm. So this has been, like, an ordeal for years. And yeah. are we playing in Brooklyn? Are we playing on Long Island? Where am I living? Yeah. And as a player gets older, you know, not to say that Barzell is really old, because I also feel like he was just a rookie, but I feel like as you get older, like just as a human being, that's something that you have to think about. Where am I going to get married? Where am I going to raise kids? Do I see a life after hockey in this place? And like, yep. I, mm-hmm. I just think those are things that they have to think about, even if they don't necessarily want to, because like hockey is a sport that moves really quickly, especially in concerns to contracts. You know, once, once you're hitting like your early mid twenties, you're already thinking about like your last big contract. Once you hit 30, like, I just yep. feel like it moves so quickly and I feel like he would mm-hmm. be remiss if he didn't kind of not shop himself around, but like weigh his options. Like would Absolutely. he like it better there? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I, I, like I said, I think there's going to be that one star that goes right. Mm-hmm. And you always think about like, where's it clicking? And I, and then on the flip side of that, if you're the Islanders, you're thinking like, 
I don't know what goes on behind the scenes. Did they have a long-term conversation with Matt yeah. Brazel? Did they did they say to him when I they think isn't that deal? what he wanted too? Was that long-term stability? I think so. I you, don't, I mean I don't you wanna... would think. You would think. Yeah. I think that's what he was asking for. I mean, I think every player when they when they're a high-end superstar talent and you know you're the guy yeah, for, you for your know team. That the you you believes. tell them like you want to lock me up for a long yeah. time. At least that's the approach I would take. So I don't know if they said to him like we're doing this bridge deal because of the cap situation, um, with the flat cap and yada yada, or was that a like a calculated thing of maybe you won't stay here past that three year mark? Yeah, honestly, um, just to see the Isles fan base just erupt again would be. Are we gonna get another? Are we gonna get another pajama boy video? Oh my god! Please, please, I'll take it. Yeah, any like Uh, that would I think just be the culmination of if that actually does happen is just to see the fan base just completely erupt again. Yeah, and I think cycling back to bringing this to the trade deadline this year, I think all of those things, like all that chatter, is what's gonna slow down the trade deadline this Mm -hmm. year. Yeah, I I think it's I don't know if a lot's gonna happen with the quarantine process yeah, I, the, the flat cap mm-hmm. the expansion draft coming up every all the dates are moved around yeah. and all that I don't I just don't know if, if we're gonna see that much action I think I think at home will go because I think Nashville's in like a sell mode mm-hmm. but I think it's been too hyped to not happen yeah right? I think uh, I think other teams might stand like that you would expect to make moves might end up standing pat though yeah I I think that around the trade deadline a lot of trade deadline I can't speak I think around the the trade deadline I think a lot of teams feel pressure to make a move if especially if they're not doing well whether it's from the fan base whether it's from players frustration whether it's from higher-ups whatever it is and I think that that results in a lot of moves being made just to make a move just to say okay we did it like calm down now and I think that not to bring up the Eric Sell Rangers situation for the second time on this call, but I think that that's exactly what that was. I think you had Mark Stahl there and they were like, okay, like screw it. Like we're just going to get Eric Stahl. And then it was awful. So I, I think that like you said, a lot probably won't happen this year because of quarantine, because of cap, because of all those things. But I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. Like, I think as a fan, we look forward to the trade deadline. Like, I love those days where you're just, like, sitting refreshing Twitter all day. Like, you're looking for, like... And when I was in school every day, because I'm home every other day now, like, when you were in school on trade deadline day, like, I I got nothing done. Fully. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. I vividly remember when Ryan Callahan got traded. Yeah. And I walked in... I was a senior in high school and I walked into my one of my classes at a computer so I could actually go on the computer and like check out what happened. <laughs> and I saw that we traded Ryan Callahan for Marty San Louis and the whole thing. I just burst into tears in the middle of class. Yep. My teacher was like, Are you okay? And I was like, The Rangers no. traded Ryan Callahan. And it was a whole thing. It was so bad. But I, I love those days, but I also yeah. agree that some people make silly things and I think playoff performance really does play into it a lot mm-hmm. of teams see like this guy scores in the playoffs we need him right now because mm-hmm. we, we want to win a Stanley Cup like I think that's where the Rangers fell into the trap yeah like, they saw Eric Stahl as a I mean he's a great player I think still um but I think they fell into the the he'll play with Mark and he's a playoff performer it's gonna be amazing yeah. and they traded for him and it mm-hmm. just it fell flopped. completely flat yeah so I mean that's at least my perspective on it that yeah not a lot will happen but maybe that's a good thing and I I also think that 
around this time of year, everything is speculation. Whether you're a fan or whether you literally work for the team, everything is speculation. No, no idea how anything is going to end up. You don't know if you're going to yeah. trade for somebody and he's going to be great or if he's going to be awful. You have no idea. So I think that sometimes that's even the smarter approach to just kind of not do anything and just kind of sit mm-hmm. um and that that might pay off for somebody we don't know yeah. we won't know yeah. until <laughs> so why don't we move on to women's hockey yay uh because there's a lot going on there oh yeah um so the nwhl uh is f- they're resuming the playoffs right that they had started in the bubble in lake placid right so for context for people who don't watch women's hockey you should by the way <laughs> um the NWHL the professional league they are in, were in their 6th season and they decided to play it in a bubble in Lake Placid. And then very rapidly teams dropped out and they decided to end end the tournament before a winner could be crowned. Right. That's yeah. basically that was basically right. <laughs> yeah. So Pretty now much. they're saying, "Okay, we're going to try again." And this time, so they're not in Lake Placid anymore. They're going to be in Boston right. at Warrior Arena, right? Yeah. Yeah. And they're going to finish the playoffs with the teams that were left. So that's the Metropolitan Riveters. No, no they're out. <laughs> Metropolitan Riveters are out. So it's the Toronto Six, the Boston Pride, the Connecticut Whale, and Minnesota Whitecaps? Yes. Yeah. That yeah. is my so those understanding. Are the, those are the four teams that are left. And then the Riveters and the Buttes are not participating right so i'm my understanding is that the riveters so as you said like teams dropped out the riveters were i think the first team to um drop out for positive cases and things like that i actually think i had heard they had a positive case before they got there like one player had tested positive but the rest of them were still testing negative so they went anyway which maybe not my favorite decision in the whole world but we'll move <laughs> past a bit it um <laughs> And then Connecticut had dropped out a couple days later. They had, like, opted um, to not continue playing because they didn't feel safe, which I think is very understandable. And I think, you know, having two teams out, they just kind of got to a point where they were like, okay, like, this isn't safe, you know. There was um, there was an article by Marissa and Jemmy, I think, who – she's a great follow for anybody looking to get into women's hockey. She's amazing, yes. the content she puts out. There's an article that she had written – about some of the things that the players were dealing with, the players that did have COVID. And I I definitely think they made the right choice to not continue to play at the end of January and the beginning of February. Because some of these stories that you're hearing, like Brooke Stacy, who recently became a mother, I don't know if either of you guys read this article, but she was talking about how her breast milk was coming out like discolored after she Ooh. had COVID. I did not see that. And, like, that was just something that, like, hit me. Because I feel like you can read about COVID so much, and even in the context of sports. But, like, sometimes you just read something, and you're like, oof. And, like, that that was my yeah. oof. So I definitely think they made the right decision to at least pause it. I'm still a bit apprehensive about Boston. I think most people are. I know there are some players that are opting not to go. They put out rosters the other day. Um, but I think my stance right now, and I'm sure Sam and Ariel, I know you don't know a ton, but I'm sure you also share this stance (laughs) that like, I just kind of want it to go well and for people to be safe and Mm -hmm. for there to be a cup winner because there wasn't one last year. And I honestly think that's a big reason why they chose to resume the season, not just cancel it because two seasons without a championship winner, especially for a league this young, doesn't look awesome. So 
that's kind yeah. of my that's my preface I guess before we yeah. really get into it no I agree and I think I, I I read a lot about um from Marissa and others about um the conditions that you know they had in the bubble and in, in Lake Placid and uh if I remember correctly there the testing wasn't as frequent as it should have been yeah and there were some other iffy protocols there so I, I am glad that they did realize like this may not be the safest conditions let's put a pause on this and yeah. I and I I'm hopeful that um, when they resume in Boston, things will go well. Mm-hmm. I think the the six like really came out. I mean, I think everyone expected it to because a lot of players that either weren't in the league uh, at all or had left and are, were coming back because they live mm-hmm. in the Toronto area. Um, they all signed up and they're, they they looked amazing and they were a really good feel-good story, right? Oh, they yeah. Expand, like, they were like Vegas were. <laughs> When they came into the NHL, the the expansion team that yeah. just dominates. So it's a lovable middle- group too. Like those yeah. those those videos to love story by Taylor Swift after the yeah. game, like so cute. Yeah, huge shout out to Alyssa. Uh, who She's runs- incredible. Alyssa Turner. She runs uh, multiple NWHL social media accounts. Um, she unfortunately will not be with the league after the playoffs end, but she is an incredible person, and she. Uh, is insanely talented and she helped increase engagement so much oh yeah for 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 the league um we love I mean we're Jen and I know personally a lot of people that uh work in the NWHL or have worked in the NWHL and they're all just genuinely really awesome people who want to see the sport grow so it's really exciting yeah um to see the playoffs resume I do want to also say that they will be on NBC sports which is like which is really which is huge Oh yeah, with with, a, with an all female broadcast group. Mm-hmm. Um, let me get the names so I don't forget because I don't want to leave anybody out. Um, they're having uh, Kate Scott do play by play. AJ Malesko is doing uh an analysis, and Kaylee Chelios is on rinkside. That I think and the implications of an all female team, like broadcast team rather. I think that's incredible. The more that you can, like, you know, all-female um, officials, I think they had been doing in Lake Placid as well. I think the more of that that you can see, the better. Because I, I'm i sure you guys, again, like, kind of share the sentiment of, I'm kind of tired of there being first-evers with women. Like, it's great, and yeah. I celebrate it, mm-hmm. but I'm at the point where I'm like, okay, like, can it just be normal now? Like, can, can women just play hockey and it be normal? Can women just do play, play by play and it be normal so I definitely am happy about getting another one of those firsts out of the way I guess and like um yeah I I think something that really appeals to fans especially younger fans uh women fans or just non not men fans in general just anyone who isn't a man um I think what appeals to those people about the NWHL is that you know you you can look at these leagues and you can see someone that you identify with and somebody that looks like you or has passions like you because a lot of these the majority of these players do have like day jobs they're teachers they're engineers they're in architecture they're going to law school like I I definitely think that um on that same line of like characters and storylines the NWHL has that down perfectly and going back to like Alyssa, she's done a great job really bringing that out on the socials and all their entire social media team is great. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's a reason why the fan bases have grown and why they've gotten more fans is because they're like, we were saying about the Blackhawks. They're so easy to cheer for every one of these teams, like has a success story, like waiting to happen. So yeah, I love women's hockey. 
I love it. Uh, <laughs> I do too. And Ariel, I think for you as a casual, more casual women's hockey fan, mm-hmm. I, I mean, the games prior to this were on Twitch, which mm-hmm. is a free platform. Everyone can access it. Like they did a great job with that. I mean, I think getting promotion from people like Steve Dangle was helpful. Um, mm-hmm. They did, but they still killed it. I mean, they were on the front page of Twitch. Mm-hmm. They were getting thousands of views, but, but Ariel, I'm curious because you're a more casual fan and this is going to be on NBC sports. Like, do you see your, do you see yourself and other casual fans? Like maybe being more inclined, like, Oh, it's already on my TV. I'm going to turn it on. I don't have to find the Twitch link. <laughs> I don't have to have a Twitch account or whatever to watch it. Yeah. I think that is going to be a good thing for women's hockey. I think. And like you said, the Twitch thing really took off and, and I think they did that at just the right time. I know going back to when everything was kind of paused, um, not to bring it back to like, the NHL real quick but when everything was paused a lot of players started jumping on to Twitter mm-hmm. to play yep. to like just stream for people and that really took off a, for a lot of players so I think um the NWHL really took the reins on that and really jumped on something that was already capitalizing very well and really got people interested and made people you know take the time oh this is on right now let me go check it out you know let mm-hmm. me see not even, you know, even if you're just going, like, I want to see how this is going to work. You know, I want to see how they're figuring out how to broadcast this out and how they're going to get it done. I think that really was a, a huge step and, and to capitalize on such a platform that was really booming at the time. And, and I think now with it, you know, them moving onto a national channel, I think it is going to get a lot of people to check it out, even if it's just, again, to say, I want to see how this is going to go. I want to see, you know, how these you know, the broadcasting team, how they're going to do, how, how everything's mm-hmm. going to go. So I think it is going to make a lot of people watch. And, and I think if I'm not working, you know, and, you know, maybe the flyers aren't on or even just flipping back and forth, you know, I might even take a look and just, mm-hmm. just to see yeah. how it's all going to come together. Yeah. But I think that's exactly the point, right? Yeah. Like you're, you're, you're a perfect example of someone that can get reeled in because you already love hockey and you're, mm-hmm. you're interested in, in the women's side, but I think there's a an issue with um, ed- informing people and educating them about like this is where you can watch women's hockey and these are yeah. the women's teams that you can watch play. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the the national coverage is going to be so helpful. Um, yeah, with that, that was so. totally. Yeah, I think that was always not to, not to cut you off. I think that was always no, no. a big thing. What's the coverage? Was you mm-hmm. always you always hear the oh well you don't talk about them oh you don't show them like how do I know like where to go and people are always like this is where you go like this is where they're at I think that's gonna be a really big thing and I think what's gonna have to happen is they're gonna have to keep it up it can't just be oh this is the playoffs this is the championship you know it's the end all be all we're gonna put it on and and that's gonna be it people are gonna be happy you have to then follow up with that so you know when whenever you know the next season gets underway you know I know you can't put everything on the national channel but you kind of gotta you gotta do something you gotta say oh maybe we'll have like a game a week we'll have the game of the week or something something Mm -hmm. that's gonna keep people dialed in and so they're not just like oh you had it on now where is it now you know where Where can I find this you know what do I have to do to get another game because you're gonna get a lot of people that are gonna get interested from Mm -hmm. having it on a national channel like that that you have to then follow it up. You yeah, can't just say this is it. We I did what agree. we did what you all wanted us to do. Put it on nationally, you know, <laughs> give you what you want. And we know the NHL, you know, has has done that. Is you know, here we gave you what you want. You know, happy, you know, end Go of story. Away. 
exactly if they can continue it you know giving you the coverage not even just like on television you know just covering it in general you Mm. know features talking to the players talking to you know anything like that you got to keep that up and that's i think going to be a really big important thing to see after this happens you know it's great that it's going to be on and you're going to get people interested that way but what's what's next what's the follow-up from that yeah for sure I agree. And I I think, I mean, there is that bit of a battle going on right now between the NWHL and the PWHPA Mm -hmm. um, with the Dream Gap Tour. Mm -hmm. But it is encouraging to see, like, the Dream Gap Tour. They played in New York. They played at MSG. Now they're going to play where the Blues play. I think it's Enterprise Arena is the the name of the Enterprise Center, whatever. Um, You're close. I, I, I... I think yeah, I think I think that's encouraging to see For sure. just the general support of women's hockey. Um, but with the back to the NWHL, I think it's interesting. Marissa and Jemmy, we keep referencing her, but she really is a, a great follow. She has a, a a finger on the pulse of the NWHL. I think mm-hmm. um, she uh, suggested that there's uh, rumblings that there may be an expansion again, that they'll get a seventh team for right. year seven into Montreal, um, and that the Leafs ownership group is interested in helping them start that team um Jen I'm curious because you're making a face yeah I have thoughts I mean I I was very happy with the four teams that the NWHL originally had the founding four if you will of the Metropolitan Riveters formerly New York Riveters the Boston Pride the Connecticut Well and the Buffalo Buttes and when they did kind of hint at that first expansion into Minnesota um I think my initial worry was you know, how, how are we going to sustain another team? Because I want to say in the, in the first year, or in the second year, like they already had to make like pay cuts. And yeah. for as much as I love this league and the sport with my whole heart, like you have to look at it realistically. And while with my heart, I love expansions and I love growing the game and I love getting more teams and more players out there. I just think, you know, you have to assess like, is this going to be a smart idea? And like with the Minnesota Whitecaps, I feel like that was a little bit of an easy transition to make because the Whitecaps were, I'm not a thousand percent clear on like what they were, but I know that the Minnesota Whitecaps were a team that already existed. Yes. I know they were, they were either playing college teams or exhibition games or whatever it was. So I feel like that was kind of an easy shift to make that, okay, this team kind of already exists. There are some players that kind of already play for them. I feel like that was an easy shift. The six was a little bit um, harder on paper, I think, because the team didn't exist. There were no players that played for it. Yeah. Um. But obviously, like Toronto is a hot spot for hockey. Um. And as we I was said, say that. Yeah, Alyssa has done a great job with the socials and the promotion. They've really got some some great players, some great characters there. Michaela Grant Mentis is a beast. I think she's incredible. Yes, she's so good. Um. And so I I think the two expansions, though, I've kind of approached them a little, you know, with caution, I guess. Um, I think that they've both turned out great. So my inclination is to say that this one will also hopefully turn out great whenever it does happen. Um, I think that they're going to have to assess kind of the numbers of how those NBC games went and Mm -hmm. the response to these playoff games and this championship game. And if it looks like there's a demand for another team, then go for it. But I think what I wouldn't want to happen is for them to spring for another team and it to just kind of fall flat and for them to like, wish, I wish we would have waited a year or I wish we would have waited two years. 
you know i, I don't I know agree. if any of that makes sense but no i totally no, kind of i kind of get that yeah yeah and, and uh from what from what i had heard when they were thinking about expansion in the first place because i remember i think it might have been when this when the cwhl folded in the first place yeah i think there the i don't know if it was danny specifically but people from the NWHL had said, well, don't worry, we're going to expand to Toronto and and Montreal. And it made it seem like it was all going to happen in one foul swoop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think, remember that. I think maybe that, so I think they're just trying to follow through on their their promise. But yeah. I, I do, like you said, I do hope that it logistically works mm-hmm. and that it can be sustained because it, is it isn't a great look to rush into things and then it not go well. Yeah. Um, and I and also, I, agree- I think that the NWHL has like, a ton going on behind the scenes right now, some of which that we know and some of which that we don't. Like, Ty Taminia, you know, keep in mind, she's considered, like, an interim commissioner. She just kind of came yep. in. So, is she going to stay? We don't really know. Danny Ryland just left, was let go. We don't really know what happened with that. The press release was about this big. We learned absolutely nothing. So, that's another thing that's completely up in the air. The woman that essentially founded this league and is such a big part of what made it what it is today is gone. For better or for worse. So that's something they're going to have to deal with. Um, I think that a lot of teams are going to see kind of an upheaval with their their coaching, with their staff, you know, because obviously things happened in the bubble with air quotes because turns out it wasn't really a bubble. Um, Things happened in Lake Placid that shouldn't have happened. And we don't know whose fault that is. We don't know if that's a coach's fault. We don't know if that's a player's fault. We don't know if that's just COVID going to COVID. We don't really know. But... I think that there's definitely going to be some changes behind the scenes. There already have been with Danny Ryland. Um, And I think that they really want, or they really should um, kind of solidify their positions and their people and their teams before they try to jump into another expansion. Because like I said, the last thing you want is for you to come out of the gate with a new expansion and, oh, look, those underlying problems are still there and we didn't fix it with the expansion band-aid. Oh, like... Yeah, that's not what you want. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I would again would love a team in Montreal. I think you would definitely have a demand for it as far as fans go. You definitely have a demand for it as long as uh, players go. There are definitely women's hockey players in and around Montreal. My hope is just that they don't bite off more than they can chew. That is my stance. I, I completely agree. And before we put a nice little bow on this w- women's hockey conversation, Jen, who you got for this? Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I will give my full bracket. Um, I have Toronto beating Boston. Um, I think that the Boston Pride's heyday is over. Um, maybe I'm just optimistically thinking that because I don't love them. But I think that it's the Toronto Sixes time. I think we're going to get that Vegas Golden Knights happy kind of moment. They're going to go to the final. And then as far as Minnesota, Connecticut, I also believe that the Minnesota Whitecaps heyday is over, even though they're still really good. Um, I don't know. The the Connecticut Whale have always kind of been my second team because uh, they're geographically the closest to me aside from the Riveters. Yeah. So I've been able to like mm-hmm. go to games and really watch a lot of these players grow. And I think that, you know, they, they've always kind of been, they've been like everybody's second team. They're like the feel good. Oh, like they're so cute. They're the Connecticut Whale, Brass Bonanza, whatever. So I think that I could really see them like coming out and shocking everyone and being like, yeah, like we're so cutesy and we're everybody's second favorite team, but also we just absolutely obliterated Minnesota. So like now what? Um, Maybe that's a little optimistic. I don't know. But I want a Toronto 6 Connecticut whale final more than I've ever wanted anything in my entire life. 
Um, I think it would be a great game. And I think that there's a really great potential story there of an expansion team coming in their first year, just blowing everybody out of the water. Can they win? I don't know. And then also the whale are the only founding four team that has never won an Isabel cup. So I definitely think um, this is a revenge tour of sorts for them. And um, it would be really cool to see, the last original team win a championship. So I feel like you can't go wrong with that final, but I also think you can't go wrong with Minnesota Boston because that's the unfinished business from last year when they didn't get to hand out the trophy. So I don't think there's a bad matchup, but for my final, I see Connecticut versus Toronto and I see Toronto winning. That's my prediction. My bracket was a little more uh, safe, I guess, than yours. <laughs> I find the word. I did. I said I picked Toronto to be Boston. I think, yeah. but I I think Minnesota will will overtake Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Just 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 be. I'm playing. I'm playing that matchup conservatively because I I I just I think especially with the unfinished business of not getting to win it or at least play to win it. Yeah. Uh, last year, I think that's their revenge tour. They're just gonna be like, nope, this is this is our <laughs> nope. business. We're like, I don't care if we don't play, if we don't play Boston that we have to play Toronto, but we're still gonna win this thing. Yeah. Because we didn't get to win it last year. Right. Um. But I ultimately think Toronto's gonna win. They're just so good, and I think they're. I, I never really adopted a team because I did intern for them mm-hmm. in in college, and I was around a lot of the players, and I managed a lot of the different socials, so I kept it. I kept it neutral and I was like I just like the league yeah. um, but I think I'm gonna adopt Toronto I just I absolutely adore them and I think that they're they're just a, a, like you said an amazing story so I think mm-hmm. they're I, I ultimately believe they're gonna win um and Ariel do you want to uh do you do you want to take your limited knowledge of the NWHL and take a stab at who you think will win I mean, Jen kind of brought up a, a couple good points there on, on the teams that I was kind of taking a look at the, the Toronto and the Connecticut side, because I was kind of doing a little research while you guys were having that conversation <laughs> and kind of before we got on here. Um, and the, like, it's just going to literally be me regurgitating a bunch of what Jen just said. With that the is whole, fine. With <laughs> the whole totally um, Connecticut whale thing, the whole underdog thing is them kind of coming in, being that team that has never won before and... They had really good numbers uh, in, mm-hmm. in the couple small sample size of Lake Placid. I say, having just read this, knowing nothing of what actually happened in Lake Placid. So I'm sounding like I know what I'm talking about. There but you go. I, I think you always like a good underdog story. You, you always root for that team that maybe on, you know, on paper, it looks like they could kind of come in and shock the world. So I think if I'm going to have to pick a team, I'm going to have to go with the underdog. I like it. I love that. I love that. Um, So there's one more topic I wanted to touch on. I think it's really important that we touch on it because it's been, the two things I want to bring up go hand in hand. And I think they've been big stories for, for women and, and just not cis males in sports. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Cis white males in sports Um, that Gord Miller from TSN. um, I'm not going to read the whole thread um, because it's a lengthy one. But if you you should go read it. Um, his Twitter handle is uh, G Miller TSN. Um, he basically um, made a thread uh, explaining his reasoning for not supporting Barstool and not associating with them, and the reasons why he does not want his name, his brand, associated with that company. The one tweet I do want to read is my problem with this is his 
his words, quote, my problem with Barstool is the history of unapologetic misogyny, racism, xenophobia, and the repeated condoning of non-consensual sex. If not wanting to associate with that makes me part of cancel culture or constitutes virtue signaling or being woke, I'm okay with that. So I'm sure those of you that know the Barstool culture and the people who work there and run the company, um, you would uh, know that uh, Mr. Dave Portnoy, the founder of Barstool, um, did not take this well. No. And of course not. Sent, of course not. Of and, course not. And sent his legion of followers after Gord Miller. Um, the thing that I found striking from what Portnoy said was that he criticized Gord Miller for for attacking everything that he's about. Exactly what was on my and, mind. And to me, that's you just saying, admitted right, so you're publicly admitting that everything you're about is everything that Gord Miller just listed. Misogyny, non-consensual sex, right? Like, how was that? And you essentially platform? just said, like, yeah, you said this. Yep, that's what I'm about. Yeah, and and people still give him a platform. He's he's not going anywhere. We know this. Yeah. Him and Barstool aren't going mm-hmm. anywhere. And it got even worse when Gord Miller's daughter, he has a teenage daughter, she also made a thread on Twitter in support of her father, saying, mm-hmm. I'm proud of him for what he did. Like, I agree with him. This is a huge step. Because for those of you who aren't maybe um, into, like, the Canadian t- broadcast side of, of hockey or you don't watch a lot of the juniors, Gord Miller is a very prominent figure yeah. in mm-hmm. in hockey yeah. media or in sports media in Canada in general. And he him saying, from being from a major outlet like TSN, for him to say, I don't condone this at all. That's a big deal. And, and I don't, yeah. it's a huge deal. And and I, I think a lot of a lot of women in the field in the industry have come out and said that this this is a sign of hope for them because oh, yeah. they're I mean, I've never personally experienced this, thankfully, but there are a lot of women out there who feel like there are men that they work with who are on that barstool side who they can't be a hundred percent safe around. Um, and so mm-hmm. for Gord Miller to say, no, I'm on your side. I hate, like, I don't want anything to do with this and this is wrong and it needs to end. That's a huge step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, you could always, we, that's the, the relationship between Barstool and the NWHL. That's a whole other conversation mm-hmm. as well. But <laughs> this was just another chapter in that saga. I think of mm-hmm. the hockey world, mm-hmm. the hockey world deciding drawing the line of where what we're going to support and what we're not going to support right what mm-hmm. kind of behaviors we're going to support yeah. and not support and i think gord miller doing that was a huge step yeah. in the right direction i also think that there have been a lot of people so um this is to switch completely just for women in sports not even in hockey but um the ncaa basketball tournament is occurring right now in a, in a bubble in indianapolis the women's players on the women's side of the tournament have come out complaining about, well, not complaining, criticizing and showing what's wrong with the treatment of the women's players versus the men's players. The one major thing was that the women's teams got a very minimal weight room. It looked like basically what you'd get at a hotel gym, right? Like a, like a yoga mat and some, and some, weights like uh dumbbells i guess barbells whatever and i know nothing about working out and the men's side the men's side had 
an entire state-of-the-art gym facility. Yeah. And the NCAA said, no, this isn't this isn't a treatment thing. This isn't about money. This isn't because the men's side makes more money. It's just because of space. Um, okay. And one of the women's well. players, one of the women's players made a TikTok showing everything and, and said, look yeah. behind me. There's a whole empty room that has nothing in it. Mm. Yeah. This isn't about space. And thankfully, with, with the with the men in media and major outlets, um, support it being in support i mean espn posted reposted that that tiktok and brought up the conversation and i work at bleacher report and bleacher report also shared it mm-hmm. and athletes from all ends men and women are saying like look look at this yeah i this is, this is not okay i just saw earlier today i can send it to you guys i saw a tweet that the caption was just it doesn't stop at the weight room and it was showing, I, I saw this earlier today, but kind of like the care packages that the players got, yeah. men's versus women's. And for women's, it looks like a hat, an umbrella, a scrunchie, socks, a little backpack, a water bottle, a shirt. I don't know. That's my little unboxing. And then for the men, mm-hmm. it's like, it's a spread. It's a flag. It's a book. It's like six different kinds of deodorant. There's body wash. Like, I, I can send you guys the pictures. The difference is insane. Yeah, and then I've seen them. Yeah. This tweet also has like their food options. And for the men's, it looks like a full buffet with multiple trays that you can walk up and down. And for the women's, it looks like a frozen TV dinner. So nothing against frozen TV dinners. Love them dearly. But, <laughs> but when <laughs> but you're comparing them to a full buffet. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it's very disheartening as. Just as a woman in general, not even a woman in sports, because I don't play sports. I don't sport in public. I don't do it. Um, but I <laughs> I think that it's just very disheartening to see that, you know, even in 2021, you know, no matter how many times people tell us that there's no pay gap or there's no gender inequality in the United States or in North America, like, these things are still happening. You know, so you, you can fly that flag all you want that women and men are equal in the United States. But when things like this happen, like, there's no ignoring it. Like you said, so many major outlets and athletes are picking this up. So I am hoping that something comes out of this. I don't really know what I want to come out of it. I think the attention on it is great on its own, but I don't think that I'm going to be satisfied unless there's some sort of action. I don't know mm-hmm. what I want that action to be, but um, I yeah. that that's just my feeling that any kind of apology or statement is just going to feel empty unless a change is actually made. Yeah. yeah, and, and, I, and I, oh, go ahead, Ariel. I think the uh, the thing that sums it up, and, and Sam, I think you were the one I saw retweet this from one of the players um, at, at the tournament, was um, the NCAA going to the men. We're happy to have you here. Glad to have you here. Women, you should be happy to be here. You know, you should yeah. be happy that we're letting you come in. And I think yep. that's really everything. No, it is everything. And and even like, so the NCAA vice president of women's basketball, a woman too, by the way, she said, we fell short when she was asked about the, the conditions. Just like a touch, maybe. You fell short? You didn't give them anything. Girl, you fell. <laughs> <laughs> you just straight up went off the cliff. Yeah, like, whew. It, and then it says, chair of the Women's Basketball Committee, Nina King and and Holzman, the, Lynn Holzman, the VP of Women's Basketball, stressed that, current, that, that the current moment is important, but broader accountability going forward is at the front of their mind. So they're already trying to say, like, we'll just put this all behind us. We'll just do better next time. Yeah. 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 We'll pretend it didn't happen. 
Yeah, those tweets were from um, uh, Charlotte Carroll. She writes for The Athletic um, covering UConn women's basketball. But um, I just think, like, in in general, there are positive signs from people like Gord Miller and people who are are bringing to the forefront the still blatant sexism, misogyny in, in, in sports from the media side and from the athletic side of it. Uh, but there's still a lot of work to be done. I mean... If, if Gord Miller is the first one and everyone's like, yes, yes, hallelujah, someone's <laughs> finally speaking up and, it's, and we're and we're in March of two, 2021, like that's a problem. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. I, I definitely still has a platform. Right. Yeah, I I definitely think it goes back to what I was saying of I'm tired of there being first evers and I'm tired of women making history. I kind of just want it to be normal at this point. Like, like the fact that we praise Gord Miller so much and it's nothing against him. I'm so glad that he did it. But I think the fact that we praise him so much is really saying something about the fact that like this doesn't happen a lot. Like we, we don't yeah. have a lot of people on our side. So here, here's to hoping that there's more of that. That's kind of my only thought. I would like more of it. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. And I, I hope that the situation with these tournaments gets sorted. I think, I mean, especially with the amount of men's teams that dropped out yeah. of mm-hmm. their season and they're not even playing in the in the tournament. Like, yeah, the men's tournament's always going to make more money, but there are some really exciting women's basketball teams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the WNBA has some really exciting players. And you know where they came yeah. from? The NCAA. Yeah. So <laughs> I it's I hope that this is just uh, this will all I don't even know what I'm saying I just hope that things get better because I hope I hope these some of these things are the support is a sign that in my lifetime we'll see more equal treatment yes I I, I always said like when I was in college like oh when I uh, when I'm out of college and a few years from now like I'll help and things will get better and it's a it's a it's a very uphill battle yeah but I think that does it for the first episode, guys. Yay. We made Yay. it. That was fun. We did it. It was a lot of fun. And I'm, I'm so excited that this is a reality now because mm-hmm. I've wanted to do this. I think we have so many passionate, amazing women working at this company. And uh, this is just another way to get our voices out there and get our opinions out there and talk about maybe, you know, maybe we wouldn't write an article about what's going on with the Sabres or what's going on with the weight room situation or whatever it may be but now we get to talk about it for sure mm-hmm. and uh i just want to thank you guys for joining me in the first episode and uh if you guys want to follow us on social media for pucker up sports uh it is uh puck at pucker up sports on everything i think on everything uh, yeah on twitter yeah. on facebook on instagram you can follow us on all those uh on all those platforms and uh, at puckerupsports.com is where you can find uh, all of our written content and as well as a transcript of this podcast um, mm-hmm. once it is published. Yeah. So thank you guys. Yes. And uh, yes. we will see no you problem. guys next week.